follow your heart. As Scott Summers once said to Dracula. I, I remember that comic. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. Dra- Dra- Cyclops <laughs> actually told, uh, to, to, told Count Dracula one time, follow your heart. That's, no, that's poor wording. <laughs> that's very poor wording. It's because Cyclops is the worst X-Men leader. <laughs> yeah. Now, was this older, young Cyclops at the time? This, this was, was like the early 80s? Yeah, I so think early old, 80s. It was, quote-unquote, yeah. old mm-hmm. Cyclops. I think I, I don't remember where it was. I just know that Jan Miles talked about it all the time. <laughs> yes, that's where I got it from, too. Yeah. Or it's like Moon Knight saying, Dracula, where's my money? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Polykedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I am your host, Matthew, and I have two of my co-hosts here with me. Ryan? I'm still in the little box. Yes, you are. And Scott. I'm one day we'll be out of these boxes. One day we'll be coming out of our cage and be feeling just fine. We gotta gotta be down. No, we gotta be down. Nope, uh, nope. You're just gonna be a rat. Right. I look I just can't look. It's it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome back, Ryan. How has your gaming been? Ah, fantastic. I ran a really exhausting session of Star Wars for some schmucks the other day. <laughs> that was really tiring. Yeah, well, you had a lot of little players on the field I, for that one. I wanted to understand what what a, like a real combat... Like, first of all, okay, just <laughs> cards on the table. I couldn't have this whole thing go down and not have like a massive firefight because oh, yeah. it would yeah. make no sense where you were. It's like, no, everyone brought enough dudes to the fight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a gun. Everyone. If Everyone, you guys got lucky that you weren't hurt worse. Is oh yeah, no, I got I got real girl. I got hurt real bad. You got dis disrupted. You yeah. got disrupted. I got blown up. You did get well, blown up. Well, that, that was that was fun. I I decided to lean into the fact that I I hated this guy that you told me about last session. Yeah, I mean it's for fine. reasons. You, you did some really unadvisable things, and you oh, got yeah. shot. It's like yeah, you yeah. literally. You literally point braked. Like mm-hmm. you, you jumped a fence and <laughs> ran into a concrete field with this madman who you hate, and you just started shooting your gun at him in, I, in no cover. I, I shot him I shot him many times in a in a good way. You did. You did a good. You Lots of people died because we stopped him from getting into the plaza, yes. the plaza oh, with a whole bunch of people. Well, that was the whole thing. Like I had seen this guy do a do a massacre. And yeah. I did not want to have that happen again. You're right. You did. Listen, I am not judging anything that anyone did in that fight. You all did the best with what you could. It was a very complicated situation. Listeners, you'll hear all about this in a couple months. Yes, you will. We executed a combat that had like 40 participants in it. Mm-hmm. And it in somehow actually kind of worked. Yeah, that no, was yeah. really good, especially when it gets edited down and uh, y'all, y'all can, <laughs> yeah. can hear um, what's, goes, what's up. Audience, all I have to say is Waffle Blasters. Waffle Blasters. Fucking Waffle, waffle Blaster, blasters. man. Uh, you uh, know what? Justice for the fucking Waffle Cones. Yeah. Um, and any other gaming uh, from you, Ryan? Uh, let's see. I've been playing Darkest Dungeon again. Rip me. Um, <laughs> doing... Doing, I'm gonna start playing Children of Morta soon, but that's not so much, so much an RPG kind of our RPG elements. RPG esque. I beat Trials of Mana like three times to mm-hmm. see each of the mm-hmm. final storylines. That was cool. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good JRPGs actually coming out right now that I'm interested in. I, I did get Octopath Traveler because it was on sale, and then they're going to be doing uh, another Bravely Default Two, which looks really pretty. So. Yeah, I guess I'm deep up in the in, in this JRPG business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right. Scott, what about you? How's your game been? Uh gaming's been good. You know, vampires kicking on, kicking on. Uh we're uh getting to the nitty gritty of the second to last arc of that campaign mm-hmm. and then into the final arc. Um D D is going great. Uh we had a had a really good session last game uh that went on for longer than it needed to be, but you guys really, really dug into that scenario. Um, guys, I'm not kidding you. If you're not listening to Ack Inc., you need to. When when get you when you guys get to the part we just recorded, it's it's a roller coaster. We yeah. think we have it, we don't have it, we think we have it, and we don't have it, then we have it. Like it is they 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 found a thing called a mecha chimera. Uh and oh boy was that a fight. 
And now they, you know, potentially are going to stomp an evil, evil wizard with an uh, with an army of Modrons. I'm all for now for this because, man, it was well earned. We we shall see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's been going super fun. Um, uh, I've been it, vicarious gaming. I've been just consuming as much of Dimension Twenty stuff as I possibly can. Yeah, uh, I watched both seasons of Fantasy High. I'm working on the Unsleeping City now. And that's just inspirational. Like, it's just inspirational how good that is. I really need to watch it. It's very, very good. Like, it, it, it does the, the roller coaster of ridiculously, stupidly funny to, like, scary to intense to, like, dramatic and romantic. And he, he takes them through, like, the, he runs the gamut. And he does it really well. And all the players are really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm consuming that. Uh, I've just downloaded, or I've just re-downloaded Neverwinter Nights 2, and I'm, I'm just, I was like, you know what, they probably have some, some player-generated modules for that, so let's, let's see what the best of the best of that is yep. concerned. Uh, just because I like that shit, like, I really like, I'm looking forward to um, Baldur's Gate 3, oh. uh, because that'll be, you know... It'll be, it's, it's finally, like, it's Baldur's Gate without the awful combat system of Baldur's Gate. Yeah, exactly. It's Baldur's Gate with that. Well, it's going to be it's going to be the sort of the Neverwinter Nights style implementation that was always you know three point five. Well, now it's going to drag it into five e, and I'm super interested to see that. Well, if it uses Divinity, it's going to use Divinity 2's combat engine, which is you know a very turn based mm-hmm. thing. And the problem with the Baldur's Gate series and its spiritual successors in the in the Obsidian, I think ones, so. It's whoever makes Pillars of Eternity and tyranny and all that is that mm-hmm. it still uses that garbage system. That's real time with pause. That system's garbage. And I'll fight you about it. <laughs> okay. any, any listener, I'll fight you why it's garbage. Um, so now that they've rested, rested that IP away from people with a bad combat engine, we can actually like have some real tactical combat in Dungeons and Dragons, which is what Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be. Not, oh man, I hope this spell casts before that guy walks away. Like, oh yay. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> Sorry, a lot of like so specifics. You are in your spot on the grid when I target you and do the thing to you. Motherfucking right. This is D and D, okay? <laughs> this is this is nerd this is even more nerdy chess. This is um, nerd chess, bitch. This is nerd chess. I love it. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's been fun. Um uh yeah nope that's how my gaming's been i'm i'm loving loving it wish i could do it with my friends yeah well you are just i am but we can't you know, we can't, we can't hold i've got each this other. fucking table <laughs> you do yeah, have a really nice table i mean <laughs> listeners listeners little. we were just putting some of the last tweaks on his studio for at mm-hmm. and a few other things just when this was about started guys i was gonna sneakily buy him like five like led lighting cubes to put under each chair oh shit so that he would have like little like controllers for different oh, colors that could be coming up yeah i was gonna buy that for you <laughs> but i'm still gonna but oh, cool thank you yes i look forward to that that's cool i love I-, I got one of those as a nightlight and you can oh. just have like any color and they're pretty bright and they're completely portable you could literally throw them at each other oh so and they're not expensive, so they'd be really good for effects. Whoa. You guys can't see it, but he just made you can't it. can't see it, but I have, I have a thing that I can literally, like, change the color in my room. It's yeah, delightful. But uh, with the addition of that, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. you can do all kinds of crazy Yeah, we, we, we're, we're lamenting one day, one day. One day we'll um, return. Like, well, that's that's in in the interview that we we were just we just had that we're we're segueing segueing into now. Greatly, we're uh, doing a good job. Yeah, we're absolutely, fantastic. Uh, that that's something I didn't mention to them. Is like, hey, I've got an Aeon actual play that, <laughs> that got derailed by the Rona. Uh, so you know, have fun. We with did that. get derailed by the Rona. <laughs> it, it absolutely did. We were starting to schedule our session zero. <laughs> that's we right. were this close. We were, were so close, close guys. I was th- I was looking at specs. Yeah. I now know that we can't have more than three enhancement. <laughs> yeah, oh, this shit. That makes that makes certain things make so much sense, but it makes a lot of things not make any sense at all to me. So I'm gonna have to go back and read the rules. We're, we're, we'll get to that. As for my gaming, pretty much what what you don't ask Matt. Jesus, nah, I go. <laughs> oh, oh damn. Uh, but my gaming has been good. I've basically been doing everything we've already talked about with Star Wars and Ack Inc. and D&D. I have got to play uh, the new Cubicle 7, Wrath and Glory. Um, and I actually had a really cool moment. Like, it was a moment that made me feel like a Space Marine. So cool. good on them for for having that 
things rolled very well compared to other people and it made me feel like a super soldier which was really cool um on that note going into the news very briefly um wrath and glory uh, besides being out as i already mentioned uh, they have released a free adventure for wrath and glory from cubicle seven mm-hmm. so if you're interested in that I'll put a link in the show notes so you guys can get it and uh start experimenting with that um what other uh the new edition of warhammer 40k is yeah it's tangentially rpg related there are um, no roles being played in there other than an argumentative asshole yeah <laughs> uh, it's ninth edition is being released there's a whole slew of new things that they're doing um but one of the biggest takeaways for me besides just like new mechanics is games workshop is releasing a whole bunch of uh going to be releasing a whole bunch of like other media mm-hmm. for 40k besides books like we're going to see animated sh- animated series potentially even a live action series at some point um, stuff like that. There is that kind of stuff. They're really branching out. Oh boy, I get my sister a battle waifu. Yes, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are doing, uh, I think, a and d Live, their own version of it. Yeah. Um, L- and li- live at home. Live at home. And they will be releasing, that's when we'll get the announcement of the next big book adventure, source book. So when do you think they're going to like buy Roll20? Like just... I mean, that would be real nice. It would be real smart of them. If D&D Beyond could buy, because they're technically not the same company, mm-hmm. D&D Beyond and Wizard of the Coast. It's true. I mean, the, fi- the last thing D&D Beyond needs, like the final piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. I mean, they have the dice rolling now. Yep. Now they just need the map. Yep, like, the map, if you yeah. could just have the map in there, it's like, well, you kill the whole thing, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, also, and also the uh, digital app is still going through alpha testing, because beta testing, because I'm, I'm part of it. Um, it's got more functionality now, so they're getting real close to finishing that app so that you can do everything. Instead of going through the website, you can have an app that will get you all the functionality that you need. So you'll have it even more portable than it has been. Uh, another little thing D&D related, uh, and Matthew, we need to do this again. Uh, fucking Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah. That game is so good. Yeah. Uh, it's on Steam, guys. It's like 10 bucks with it and the DLCs. Super cheap. You can play it online. You can play it privately or online with your friends. It's a really fun little little resource management game. Listeners, hit me the fuck up. I will play Lords of Waterdeep with you. Yes. Like, yeah. 100%. Anyway, yeah. So, we had a great interview. Yeah. Yeah, that right. was a really... It was also a really good interview. <laughs> oh, shocking. We, we we record these as bookends. Well, you know that. <laughs> yeah. You know that. Yeah, yeah. You know about all um, that. So a little bit of a caveat. Uh, you're going to hear an interview between Ian Watson and Eddie Webb and ourselves. It's a great interview. Really good. Also, don't take anything they say as canon. That's basically it. I mean, yeah, we, we go into more detail about what that means in the interview. Yeah. But yeah. It's real early in the process. So let's, let's just play that interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We have our two special guests on the show. Trinity Continuum lead, Ian Watson. Is it? Ian Watson or Ian A. Watson? Because I heard it said a couple different ways. Uh, there is a science fiction author by the name of Ian Watson, and he has worked in the industry before, so I use my middle initials. That's fair. Gotcha. So we have a Trinity Continuum creative lead, Ian A. Watson, with us. Two and A's. in-house developer. What? A. 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 Watson. A. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Almost My apologies, it. good sir. Quite hard. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Uh, we have uh, Ian A.A. Watson and in-house developer Eddie Webb. Yeah, I almost feel like I should have – my name should be like Eddie A.A. Webb. A.A. Webb. I, too, have many A's. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get a couple when you sign the contract with Onyx Path. Yep, the, yeah. They hand them out. Yep. And they are here to talk to us about a brand-new thing that have just come down the pipe, which is Trinity Continuum Anima. Uh, we are definitely all super excited about Anima. I mean, I think it's it's an idea that was bandied around when uh, the Trinity Continuum was was getting getting started uh, once again, uh, and it's super cool to know that it's actually on its way. Absolutely. Uh, so, what can you what can you give us the elevator pitch about mm-hmm. Anima? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 2084, so after the Aberrant War, but before the Aeon Era, about 20 years on either side, um, and people are in recovery. Uh, they're they're trying to rebuild society, but you know after such a devastating war, like the world has never seen before, people are um, people are, are seeking out 
uh, escapism, other forms of entertainment, and uh, brain implants become uh, ubiquitous almost, just just as common as cell phones. And uh, one of the most popular forms of such entertainment is uh, an MMO, and uh, some people start going missing, some top players uh, are going comatose, just dying on stream, Ooh. and What's going on there? Obviously, uh, uh, for all the audience, uh, we've gotten the pitch out. Uh, anything that Ian and Eddie say on the show, do not take it as gospel. It is not set in stone. This is subject to change. This is very early in development, so you have been warned about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for context, um, we don't even have first drafts in yet. Um, the, we, we've had our initial uh, design meetings with the writers three weeks ago four weeks ago time is recording somewhere around there yeah um so we've had lots of discussions about it um and also uh, internally before the writers came on board uh ian and i um worked with um uh, dominic who's the person who also brought another piece of the puzzle to anima um so we've all been working with rich uh, on the the pitch the outline uh, so there's been a lot of discussion we have a pretty firm idea of where we want to go but absolutely like you say um details are chance are, are subject to change as we're kind of working through because we may find something really cool in the actual writing of the book comes out that we go oh, let's just do this instead but it's not going to change the core direction of the game anyway yeah it's interesting because as we have said many times before um on the show we we've had adventure we have aberrant we have aeon we are all old fans of that those ips this is new this is well something familiar this is absolutely mm -hmm. something new mm -hmm. and i'm intrigued like obviously you've already told us the way pitch but what exactly makes this era unique versus some of the other stuff that you've hit even on the new trinity continuum modern stuff that you get with the core book well uh it's like you said, it's not something we've seen before. One of the first things uh, I had discussed with Rich when we were first discussing the new Trinity Continuum was this fact that we're not just limiting ourselves to the three core game lines and we could do new stuff, uh, not just the modern era, which you know was my baby, but, um, <laughs> but just sort of fill in some of the, the gaps in the Trinity Continuum timeline. Uh, Aeon and Aberrant both had sort of elements of cyberpunk, but it never really like dove in wholeheartedly. Like Aeon is not a cyberpunk <laughs> game, right? It's it's a science fiction game, uh, more space right. opera. So, you know, we have all of these genres which you know fit into the Trinity Continuum conceptually. So why not like address them as a game? I want a cool cyberpunk game, so. Why not make one? We really, I mean, yes, our, 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 the old grandfather of, the seer, of that particular genre is good, but does have complexity issues sometimes. And I think the story path system will fit that in many ways a lot better because, you know, you don't have to have tables. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and so many D6s. That, be, that being said, as a weird, super weird digression, um, I'm a huge unapologetic Cyberpunk 2020 fanboy. Um, but in uh, White Wolf Magazine in 92-ish, there were three articles called World of Future Darkness that allowed you to take the World of Darkness games and put them in Cyberpunk and basically ended up being a conversion of Cyberpunk 2022 storytelling system. So there's been some precedent for this, actually. <laughs> I believe Cyberpunk did come out with a new edition recently. I just haven't had a chance to look at it. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk Red is actually pretty pretty cool. Yeah, Cyberpunk in general is getting a nice resurgence as far as like telling mm -hmm. modern stories. We've actually just watched a show. We're probably going to talk a lot about it in Patreon content, which is called Upload. Mm -hmm. And we were talking before the streams like, oh my God, this show hits a lot of what I think you guys will probably be hitting on uh, in Anima, just the idea of like digital digital selves and like having alternate like experiences than in the real world and like how people interact both positively and negatively with each other yeah it presents itself as a very sort of light silly com a comedy it is not like it it actually goes pretty deep and <laughs> down and down the cyberpunk uh realm without being like too glitzy about it it's a faux singularity with microtransactions it's wonderful <laughs> yeah wow. so so definitely a recommendation if y'all haven't seen it yet yeah um definitely yeah we'll check that out so you're obviously hitting this hard cyberpunk and me and scott talked about 
Mage and the new Technocracy Reloaded is really where in the World of Darkness, that's where you can hit some of the cyberpunk aspects in. Um, what are some mm-hmm. of the things we're going to see in Anima? Do you think we'll probably see some sort of like proto-cybernetic so we can get our street samurai going? Um, I mean, uh, uh, I wouldn't even say proto. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, like Ian said, the main cyber where we're going to talk about is the mm-hmm. implant, which we're calling glass right now. Um, and that's going to do a lot of what's 90s era cyberpunk covered. So like you're you know, the plugging into your head or your, you know, cyber eyes, whatever, a lot of the stuff that you would buy external cyberware for in older games is going to be kind of collapsed into this glass. So your AR experience, you look around and you're going to see AR graffiti spray painted on certain walls. Um, you're going to see advertisements targeted to you in your head. Um, so it's combining some of that stuff with kind of how our cell phones mm-hmm. work now, to a degree of that. Um, but we're also probably you know, we're looking at having some some actual just straight up cyber too because I mean, like you say, these kinds of games it's fun to have you know your <laughs> cyber arms and cyber legs and whatnot. Um, and I've always uh, been pretty open in my designs about being uh, inclusive for for mm-hmm. disa- disabled folks. Um, and so talking about assistive devices inside Cyberpunk is a, it's a natural fit. So I'm sure we're going to probably cover that too a little bit, not as much as like say uh, uh, didn't still be rising, but you know like. You know, if you need a leg, mm-hmm. just get a leg, as it were. Um, or don't if you don't want to. Yeah, um, I know you guys had talked about not uh, really covering the Aberrant War directly, uh, but it does sound like we're going to see the aftermath of it in terms of, like, the effect that it had on society, the world, technology, all, all that stuff. And that's that's super exciting as a, as a huge canon fanboy. <laughs> uh, like, I, 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 I understand your reasonings for not covering the Gabbert War. It's actually, I, I agree with them. It's just, it's exciting to see little hints. Absolutely. Like, there, there will be little, little drips and drops of, like, hey, this, you know, this mountain range was leveled. <laughs> we're not going to say exactly what happened and necessarily how that affected everyone around it, but you know, something terrible just happened and people mm-hmm. are affected by that. And that's why society is the way it is. So that actually leads me into a question. Yeah. I've seen the, uh, you know, your elevator pitch includes this MMO, right? So how much is the MMO going to be a part of it? Like, is there good, is this going to be an actual fleshed out digital reality where people can, like have mechanics you do do their decking if they want to we're figuring the the mmo because this isn't just cyberpunk cyberpunk was my initial conception for this but then it was married with the uh with the the mmo proposal from dominic uh so we're figuring it's going to be roughly about half and half awesome so half the time you're going to spend wandering around to the actual world and that's your cyberpunk. And then the other half of the world, you're going to be immersed in the MMO, which is the lit RPG aspect. And that's something that um, when we were initially talking about, because this went through a longer uh, pitch and uh, outline cycle because we had to kind of figure out how to, how to marry those two. And that was something I got, I dug my teeth into specifically. And um, I, I, I approached it from two different angles. The first was, a lot of classic cyberpunk gaming has the design problem of one person gets to do the cool decking thing and everybody else gets yep. to either watch yep. them or protect them. Massive problem. Um, and over the years, there have been interesting solutions to try to resolve that, but it's still inherently a problem because there's still uh, – it's functionally, it's like your mage being able to go off and do mage mm-hmm. shit and nobody else gets to be involved, right? Um so with this MMO conceits, one of the things that we can do is have, literally have the whole party go in because the MMO – a lot of things that you would do in an MMO are things that are metaphorical in older cyberpunk fiction for decking. So it's like you, know, you fight monsters with your yep. programs, with like weapons and whatnot. It all uses fantasy game language anyway, so we're just kind of jumping right to the end, mm-hmm. end point of that. Um, uh, the second piece is that um, there are – a lot of advantages. A lot of people use MMOs in ways that are atypical to their design purpose. Um, for example, um, I just heard a couple of weeks ago uh, there was a major corporation that actually approached Eve Online about having their meetings online because Eve Online is the only place they had enough server bandwidth to host as many people as they could talking to oh, each other. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
for a while in the um, about five, six years ago, uh, flash mobs, actually earlier um, around Occupy, then after that, even worse, flash mobs, people would get into World of Warcraft and mm -hmm. organize in World of Warcraft because it was a place that was being monitored. It was supposed to like cell phones or whatnot. Um, so counterculture activity happening in MMOs, I actually think it's been happening for over a decade now. Um, and so it's something else that we can tap to. You sort of see the bleed between the cyberpunk and, and the MMO. Um, and then the third piece was um, I worked with Matthew Dawkins for design for um, uh, international wrestling entertainment, which is a wrestling supplement for Abram. Mm, yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the pieces of that is you actually make a wrestling persona inside that game. So you're playing a kind of compressed version of your character as a wrestler. Um, and so when I, when I designed that, you know, did the initial pass on it for, from a wrestling perspective and realized, I, I emailed Rich and Ian, I was like, I think I can use this for Anima too. Um, and so that's kind of the initial design point is that it's a similar thing. It's like you can roll up this character, it's compressed down to, right now we're looking at maybe it's basically collapsing all of the uh, attributes into just the three approaches. Mm. Um, cool. And then, you know, like your class is one path, your uh, uh, your kinship is another path. Um, so it becomes, I, I'm the barbarian humans. So I was like, those are two of your paths right there. Um, and so you can kind of take the core mechanics of the story path, really crunch it down into a small space. And it's enough texture and grit in the mechanics to make it interesting and compelling. But if you die, if the character dies, just rip it up, spend there five minutes, putting some more dots and dive back in. Mm. It's really simple. And that's kind of a goal we're shooting for for that. Um, and so once I proved that it can be compressed down, now, I mean, you're probably going to, I've given it to Daniel Lazon, who's an amazing uh, mechanical designer for Trinity. Mm -hmm. And she's already torn chunks of it out and thrown it away <laughs> and putting new stuff in because she's much better at this than I am. But I mean, now that I proved it can be done, she can take another step. So, I mean, the idea that you ought to be playing a game inside the game is another interesting kind of element to it. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, that, that, that The idea of dual life of the things in the digital affecting the real and the real affecting the digital, um, which actually gets me onto another point of like, obviously if you die in the game, you're not, your character's not dead and you come back later. No, but there will be penalties for it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, there's gotta be some consequences for your right. actions, right? <laughs> what about like the idea of people that may die in the real world, but are in there and like basically transitioning into the game? Like being living there, existing there, basically being AI, um, or having AI. Is it a digital immortality? Yeah, a digital immortality, having having some sort of existence in there that can't directly affect the living or the real world, or the physical. World. Well, I don't think we've looked at that specifically yet, but okay. um, uh, uh, AI is actually a pretty big piece of it. Uh, um, uh, and Ian, you can talk about how AI and why the fact that AI are in this and not in Aeon. Yeah, uh, if you look at the timeline in the Aeon rulebook, uh, about two, three years after this point is the Shanghai Accords, I think Shanghai Accords, yep. Um, which essentially outlaws both artificial sentience and direct neural interfaces. This is why. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking more about the world, because uh, obviously the Aeon Society, Aeon Trinity has its place in, in all the settings. Have you guys have any thought about what Aeon's role in Anima is going to be? Now, one of the things I like to do uh, is I like to go back to the original first edition of uh, like the 1997 release of mm -hmm. Aeon. Uh, you might notice, for example, in Aberrant, uh, we've mentioned Mazar Nushud coils mm -hmm. and uh, Cestus packs rather than the, the AE Castus packs. Mm -hmm. Both of those come from the original edition of Aeon. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. One of the things Aeon's history mentioned was in the period of rebuilding, uh, the Aeon Society was called the Aeon Covenant. Mm. So that is this period's equivalent to the Aeon Society. Fantastic. So yes, we, we are considering what they're doing. Mostly they're an aid organization trying to help people rebuild, but they do have other stuff going cool. on. Yeah, because they are because this goes along with the Trinity Continuum's new sort of core, pos more positive outlook for many of the organizations. Just like, yeah, really bad things happen, but overall, the AI right. society and stuff is relatively on the level and are obviously just trying to uplift humanity and make things better yes. rather than secretly making things worse. Right. As far as like um, 
trying to think of the word like character archetype is it going to be still primarily talents like in the trinity core or how, how what what are people going to be playing or is the special thing going to be you have this digital avatar yeah we're we're mostly focusing on um the the whole mmo lit rpg thing as the special unique thing so people may be talents or they may just be ordinary humans but it's it's after the end the age of novas and that's before the age of scions mm -hmm. so although i mean the rules exist if you really want to play one of them uh like a, a nova who hasn't yet evacuated the planet or the, an early syad that's cropping up as uh, dr Barano is doing her experiments uh, but for the most part, we expect people are just going to be fairly normal, unpowered people. Interesting. Uh, build on that just to say that um, one other piece that we're doing a little differently in this game is that um, every other training continuum game, when you're part of an organization, you're assumed that, generally speaking, you're either a team prize to that organization or, or maybe if there's a couple of factions work together, um, and also you have pretty easy access to your organization at large. Um, this is moving a little more towards uh, solo operatives who have their own kind of connections to these larger organizations. So um, you are an Aeon operative, but you're probably either alone or with only a handful of people in, in the area you're settling. And then over time, you might need the access to more Aeon resources. Um, we have uh, another, some of the other factors looking at are um, the, I forget the name of the, we came up with this, the pre-Orgotech um, corporation. So it's a, a corporation that's genuinely trying to help mm -hmm. rebuild um, before it goes bad by the time Aeon hits. Mm. Um, but at this time, it's actually trying to be somewhat benevolent as much as a corporation can be. Um, and also a, a new group that's basically just um, ideological uh, uh, hackers and rebels who are trying to just build a better world out of the detritus they've inherited. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Aeon's definitely still part of that and definitely is still like, like you all said, it has the, the higher ideals. Um, but it's much less like an aberrant where it's, they had the resources and the power to just drop a bunch of people in and drop them off. Now it's like, well, after the war's over, everyone's exhausted. Resources are really thin. So you're going to be a little more on your own in this game. There's a more of a, because in many cyberpunk novels and stories, more of an espionage, more of a, yeah. a more conspiracy, not conspiracy, but the idea of being these lone agents and having to use your own resources and own tact in order to get something done. That needs to yeah, there's. Done. I mean, there's emphasis on things like infiltration, and you know, um, I mean, this can be fighting, obviously, and whatnot. But uh, um, it is, it's much more like you say, um, leverage style cyberpunk shenanigans, yeah. rather than um, mercenary SWAT teams going in and blowing people. Right. Right. The, the right. assumption right. is that you're an Aeon agent because you're fairly self-sufficient. Cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> I dig that. You've already got. You already proven that you have the stuff. Right. Right. Um, so switching focus a little bit more on to uh, other other Trinity Continuum stuff. Um, I know we're all eagerly looking forward to the latest update to Aberrant mm -hmm. um, that that has been teased to be coming out. Um, uh, how how did you find that process of revamping things based on feedback and 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 getting that feedback from the community? Um, it was it was a, it was a good process. Uh, we knew kind of going into the Kickstarter that um, there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of strong opinions. Um, uh, combined with the fact that um, Aberrant, we knew intention was going to be the most complex version of Trinity that we're probably going to do anytime in the near future. Um, it's like, so basically, this core book is probably the the simplest version of Trinity. Aberrant's the most complicated, and everything else will kind of fall in the middle, mechanically speaking. Um, so we knew we wanted to get some eyes on. That's why I had advocated at the time of having an actual uh, playtest pass, which is akin to our Arata pass. People could put in commentary. Um, I wasn't expecting the amount of commentary we got. Um, it was, I think, nearly 300 individual comments. Um, but uh, uh, once we got those all in, um, I, I compiled them. And, and I, it was intentionally a blind process. For those of you who can go through it, um, you got a Google form and you put in your information. So you couldn't see the stuff other people put in. And I did that intentionally because um, I did not want people to – someone to bring up a concern and have five people just like that comment and move on. I wanted five different people to tell me what that concern was because they have five slightly different takes on it. Yeah, yeah. And that was one thing that was really helpful for us is because we were hearing a lot of things like, okay, well, they weren't happy with um, how uh, – um, uh, I forget, not, not Tate, Flux, how, how that yeah. worked out. Um, 
uh, and some people, you know, there's discussions about scale. Uh, but what I, in the commentary on the comments on the, on the Kickstarter and Twitter, all we're hearing was, this is a problem, this is wrong. But then when I got those six or seven different perspectives and I said, oh, okay, what we're seeing is like such a wide variety of opinion on this. And we boil it down, what it really came down to was none of it was was how we how we designed it was not wrong, but how we explained it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, a lot of the actual revision went into, okay, let's, there's a few key areas that we sit down and want to discuss and talk about whether we wanted to revise those or not. Um, uh, and generally it was more or less keep where it was, but you know, it's, we, I think we, we take a little bit, like some rules we moved around here and there. There's like one, there was a rule that was originally in an option that we decided to make a mandatory rule because it just fit better with what we're trying to accomplish. Um, we reworked a small things like how to build tech. We just reworked it a little bit because it was hard and complicated to do. We want people to have fun inventing things. So we streamlined that a bit more. Um, and uh, another one was uh, the collateral damage system, which is brand new to the game. Um, it got acquired by a Scion book, and so they did separate Scion playtesting and collateral damage, and they found some things in their end that actually also kind of helped inform where we wanted mm-hmm. to go with collateral damage, um, combined with the direct aberrant playtest. Uh, so it was it was an unusually large amount of information. So what I did is I compiled it all together. Um, I put it into a spreadsheet, but then also a separate kind of linear doc of here are the high points and that was i gave both those documents to the core team which was me ian uh steve kenson and rich thomas and i said here are the key things we need to talk about in the meeting everything else just look at and comment on um and uh, i had already kind of previewed and said there's like maybe five percent of the comments were just we're not changing this mm. um you know like one per- <laughs> the one i keep laughing about is uh, three different times during the development process people kept wanting to change papal bull <laughs> b-u-l-l to papal bill <laughs> um and it's like no the pope issues bulls that's a thing it's on wikipedia here it is <laughs> but everyone's like oh, it's, it, it, he issues bills no he's not a senator he's a he's the pope <laughs> it's a different he's, thing he's got a hat and everything man <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> right exactly so i mean it's like it's and then there's other you know people would come in and say this is wrong because blah 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 political opinion and it's like all right whatever I'm, I'm ignoring those kinds of things as you should um but you know everything else was actually fell into well that's obviously the, a typo error or we that was just clearly wrong so i marked those as a green everything else was marked as yellow we talked through the key yellow parts i let the other rest of the team dive in as much as yellow ones as they wanted to um and a lot of it was steve Focused on some mechanical stuff. Ian brought up some world building stuff, which is how our team worked. That was great. Um, I handled the rest, and then we just kind of went through another cycle of it. Um, I we talked over the big key changes, and again, there weren't changes so much as really clarifications and just kind of getting things more or less aligned. Uh, and then it, that was resolved. Um, but we, I had noticed, or markedly. Um, our uh, Kickstarter manager noticed that some people were getting concerned that we had just completely rewritten the entire manuscript. And it's like, no, 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 that, that, that's absolutely not what happened. We, <laughs> we spent way too long getting a manuscript together. I don't want to sound throw it all away. <laughs> it pretty much is. Uh, I for one yeah. want to say thank you very much for having that level of feedback and taking that level of work to take our feedback and trying to really analyze it and taking sort of that blind look at it and go, if I got five different people telling me the same thing and they're not, they're not collabing on this, there's obviously some sort of issue here. Um, right. th- this, this has to get clarified some way. No, I was just saying, and like, it, as a designer, it, it's a challenge because um, there are certain things people are going to bring up that you're just not going to change. Yeah. Um, uh, um, one piece of feedback we have gotten, and uh, Ian can back me up on this, was, hey, can you make the FSA less fascist? No. And I'm like, that's the point of the FSA. We're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Listen, I know the F is not technically for fascist in it. It's, but... it's, it's in a parentheses, you know? <laughs> well, that's, that's, actually, yeah. that's actually something that I, I noticed in the, in the lore of, of Aberrant uh, is like uh, the upcoming election that we elected a centrist Democrat as our next uh, next president, mm-hmm. and then well, we all know where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, yeah, that's yeah, the Abbott War. That's what happens in America eventually. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I that tickled me a little bit. It may not have been intentional, but it still tickled me. <laughs> well, I mean, it, but I mean that that's the thing is that um, we try. Yeah. 
cards on the table. Onyx Path's a left-leaning company. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you haven't figured that out by now, I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> help you. Um, we literally wrote an entire game about how the earth is dying and you're going to punch it in the face until it gets better. I mean, it's really clear <laughs> where our politics <laughs> are. <laughs> but that being said, when we talk about this kind of stuff, we do try to be relatively even about things. You know, It's like we want to show what we think the world's going to, in this case, turn into or not. Um, uh, to, to counterpoint that, um, uh, we had Justin Kelly writes the uh, Duke Rolo uh, um, material for Aberrant, which basically just said, Justin, here's 5,000 words, just go. Um, <laughs> guys, you can't see this. Scott just did a little clappy face. I haven't had time to like dig into it just because the world's been crazy, but it, it's on my hard drive ready to go for a good, good, good binge with some beers. It's only about 20 pages, so, so, yeah, so I know. it's a fun read. Yeah. But uh, to tease a piece of it, it's going to give you some, some counterpoint context, is um, uh, uh, Duke Rolo can't get an airplane ticket because uh, Amazon Air has outsourced all of the flight attendants to you know, uh, uh, contract workers. So basically, if you can't pay for your plane ticket, you work the desk, front desk at Amazon Air for a few flights, and so you get enough points to actually get your ticket out. Um, Oh, so there's a, a difference. We're skewing a different side of, of these, oh, this hurts. whole situation, you know? So, I mean, it's that yeah. hurts so good. Uh, but the, the key question about Aberrant, and it's something that I have to keep bringing up because it's so important. Divis Mall still has arms, right? Yes. Okay, good. All right, we can move on. Good, good. I'm good. We're, we're, we're solid. So, uh, Ryan, you had told me about a question, mechanical question you wanted to bring up to these guys. Oh, well, since they're, I didn't realize they were like four weeks out. And, you know, I'm not going to ask them like hard mechanical questions. What kind of asshole do you think I am? Well, I mean, you, 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 from a design perspective, you might be able to answer. Oh, well, okay. So, yeah, I mean, we just talked a little bit about scale, right? Mm-hmm. Like people always have questions about scale. Mm-hmm. So, but you kind of already answered that and you're going to re-explain it in another form or another place right. and you're probably going to find a way to explain it that i mean i'm not saying it's confusing it's it's it kind of is sometimes well, depending I mean, on where you are one of the things that we we discovered um, so, so a couple of things we've done on scale specifically is um a lot of people were asking for tables because i think they're just used to superhero games superhero games yeah. have the you can lift cars and this is the exact amount of cars you can lift when it, it's, it's so classic to it it was in champions it was in marvel superheroes and dc heroes we're so used to these tables and we initially were like i don't really need one that's not what scale does but we found that a different problem emerged was that um, we didn't qualify what's the different kinds of scale you have. Um, and so that's something we've done in this past is there yeah. are seven different discrete kinds of scale. So oh like lifting a car is not the same scale as swaying a crowd. Right. Correct. Uh, my next question kind of came out of just like our play test of, uh, when we did our, our Aeon run through. Mm-hmm. And we found a situation <laughs> where working as a team, and I'm sure since we're going to be doing sort of like, as, you know, down in the MMO, there will probably be ways to like help each other and gain like more and more success, assuming everything kind of works out. That's a current idea, yeah. But we would end up with pools like 28 successes in Aeon mm-hmm. uh, when we would link up and do crazy <laughs> shit. And we would find that we had that the best sometimes we could come up with was a 13 die like complication. Oh, complication. That's right. A 13 die complication on the next. Thing. Is there going to be some way to maybe like, which I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. And it will like, it's a sure thing. It's going to hurt them. Oh, and, and we, we will accept the fact that, Hey, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes. question. That's also fine. <laughs> if I generate is somehow, if, if you're like, there's literally no way you ever did that fine with me. But <laughs> Well, I mean, the answer is you're doing it wrong, but also we didn't explain why you were doing it wrong. Um, that was another thing that came up in Aberrant specifically was because Aberrant throws a lot of uh, enhancement around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one thing that I talked with Danielle specifically about was like um, in story path, unless it specifically says otherwise, you can never generate more than three enhancements. Yeah, yeah. But, but Danielle's like, yeah. And I was like, cool. So where in Trinity book is that? And she's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. That, that is something <laughs> yeah. I read. And I thought it was like written somewhere else saying, no, 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 no. You don't, that doesn't apply to like this sort of thing. And that's so how it's it right. Superman powers and whatnot. Yeah. Right. 
and, and so in aberrance, um, because that's a more important, you can throw much more often, we clarify that. And also there are certain situations where you break that. I think scale differences is the big place where you break that plus three enhancement. So like if Superman is punching an average person, then yeah, he's going to have like eight, 10 enhancement because that's a scale difference. Um, but if it's just because I, the advantages are, are building up and I, I get all these things like cool, but they only really give you three points worth of other Yeah, damage. like I pick up a building, I hit this guy with the building. The building gives me plus three enhancement. It's not going to give me more than that because it's limitation. Well, I mean, the, the building will probably have scale on you, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, sure. yes. It's fair. Um, it, but like, you know, it, it, it's the Hulk versus the thing, right? It's like when the Hulk um, punches a building, the building collapses and horrible things happen. That's huge scale. But the Hulk and the thing are on the same scale. So when they're trading blows, it's just a, it looks a lot like a normal fight. They're punching each other. Maybe it's like, you know, there's more environmental damage and it might be some cool effects. But in terms of the actual effect they have on each other, it's a lot like a straightforward punching fist. And honestly, that's actually one of the things I like about the aberrant and and scale in mm-hmm. Trinity in general is like the idea of we can start playing on different levels. Mm-hmm. And when they're playing on the same level, it's as if me, Matthew, is punching Scott in the face. Right. Like our individual skill and ability will come into play, not our um, elevation or our, our lack of our difference in our capabilities, like our, our, our over archetypical abilities will right. come into play. Exactly. Uh, back to anima, I think. Let's just hop on back on okay. that train, as it were. I actually really like that that you're sort of saying they're basically mostly human, like true humans, maybe talents, but basically you're just going to be people with some some cybernetic augmentation, um, which actually is real cool because you open up the floor of there's a lot of them. You can have a lot of people that do this sort of work in the setting and have different augmentations. And so it creates this uh, this sort of environment of there's a lot of people to interact with mm. or potentially could interact with, which I find very intriguing concerning like, because beforehand with aberrants and with, with talents, there's only so many of them in the world. Mm-hmm. And with augmentation, technically anyone could get these sort of things. Um, and so anyone can play in the, that pool. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Based on the, because of that, do you think you're going to have more political groups or more groups that people can be a part of that we haven't seen before? Because I know Trinity Continuum's got a few that don't make it uh, into Aberrant and or Aeon. So we're going to have whole new groups. Yes and no. Uh, our part <laughs> of what we wanted to do uh, was um, as things currently are, and again, this can change. Uh, there are sort of three core allegiances. You know how the, the core rulebook had, like, there's these six main ones and then a bunch of lesser ones? Mm-hmm. So sort of that design space. Mm. Uh, so the three core ones, there's going to be one from the past, uh, one which leads to the future, and then one which is brand new. Cool. So so you get that nice little balance. Mm, neat. Interesting. Um, so you, the way you've described it is like that there seems to be like something big going on uh, that, you know, leads to the Shanghai Accords and whatnot. So is this going to be something that has like uh, an adventure that, that goes along with it to sort of explain the events of what happened? Or is this more of a, of a toolkit for whatever happens in between this point and this point that leads to this? I think we're aiming more for toolkit, uh, although, I mean, depending on how the Kickstarter goes, we could lay out like a specific adventure. Um, but uh, for example, in Aeon, uh, spoilers for anyone who's listening to this, uh, there's the the uh, storyteller uh, section, sorry, the, the oh, story yeah. story guide section at the back, the, the story setting secrets, that's the mm-hmm. one. Uh, and that lays out who the Doyen are and what they want. So that's sort of what we're going for here, where we're presenting you with a mystery in the book, and then at the back of the book, we're saying, okay, here's more or less what's going on. Here's different ways that can go. Cool. Depending on how PCs interact with it, and by default, here are the results of that. That will be super rad, because that was a very bold thing you guys did in the Trinity Continuum book and the Aeon book, which was here's basically the meta plot that we had had laid out for a really long time that you had to read all of our previous books to kind of really get a picture of and you condense it down to one thing. And I'm really happy to hear that you guys will probably be doing something similar in this book because this will help 
expand on that information that we already have for the future of the setting in Aeon and so how to start bridging right. those gaps between the various um, So, uh, you know, uh, we, we talked before, I mean, Anima has been a thing that's been discussed somewhat openly in terms of a thing that could happen in terms of, you know, branching out from the core three. Uh, the other one that I thought I, I remember getting batted about was Aegis. Yeah. The, um, the if Bronze Age mythology prehistory flavored Trinity continue prehistory one. Is that still something that's uh, on the, on the back burner uh, or is that what's, what's up with that? There is a lot of stuff I'd like to do, but until you see like an official <laughs> announcement on the Onyx path page, it's it's more theoretical than anything else. So gotcha. I have this list of stuff I would like to do, but uh, Rich has not yet given the, the official uh, big green thumbs up. So yes, I would love to have Aegis. <laughs> I would love to have several other games coming out. But for now, question mark. Fair enough. I will I, I will also um give a little context to to Ian's very good, very appropriate answer there. <laughs> Thank you. Um is that um, part of the reason we don't announce too much stuff ahead of time is because things can change. Um, for example, Assassins was not part of our original plan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a pitch that was sent in by Neil Raymond Price that we all actually really liked, and we decided we wanted to go ahead with it. And so we put that ahead of a lot of other projects we had in mind because we thought it fit a really nice role of having a, a different take on the modern game uh, that we thought was really missing. Um, and also Assassins plugs very nicely into some of the other it's 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 a kind of game that you can also plug assassins into uh, aberrant or plug it into um, Aeon if you really wanted to, um, and get some interesting vibe out of that. Um, so that was something we never announced because it was just not on our radar until it came across our radar. Um, but also uh, uh, ideas we had several years ago may mm-hmm. just not work the way they do now. Um, like one of the things that emerged when we started talking about anima from a design perspective is we started with the writing team in the middle of, of the COVID pandemic. Hmm. Um, and so we had much, a lot more talk about what's it like, be, you know, if you're a remote worker, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm in my op- I'm in my room, op- home office all day and I work yeah. and then I plug in the MMO all evening. Um, and what is that like? And how does that change the dynamics of this cyberpunk society? So it's, 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 it was a lot of interesting elements that give a different flavor and texture to a cyberpunk game that no other cyberpunk games had because no other cyberpunk game lived in a pandemic when it was created. Like for example, mm-hmm. uh, a big thing in a lot of cyberpunk uh, media is having, you know, these giant corporate headquarters. If everyone's a remote worker, do you need a giant corporate headquarters? How does that affect the, the cyberpunk look? Well, yeah, for some reasons you do. <laughs> we actually discovered that there are some reasons, but we had to dig into why and, and take that apart and look into it. Um, and there's some interesting dynamics for that. Um, one person came up with some of the cool things about security information, like you know, going to physically to another building and getting into their intranets that's secure and wired is going to be very important for some secure information. I mean, I do like the idea that some people, they built a giant corporate headquarters just to be a terrible labyrinth to get through. That'd be fun. It's a mousetrap. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the other side is is like um, uh, a Scientology. A Scientologist, they buy massive, massive buildings and put nobody in them. Um, and there's all sorts of reasons why they do that. And they're, I won't say good reasons, but there are certainly reasons <laughs> that exist. They are reasons. Right. Um, but I mean, you could see kind of the, 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 I hate to use the word logic. You can see how they got from one point to a different point. Um, but uh, uh, but they, they have large buildings that have nobody in them, and there's a, and those got created for a certain reason. Um, so, I mean, it's like there are, you know, psychologically, you know, people need places to gather. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of value in getting people together as they're learning. It's like, you know, you need to kind of, even if you can work from home, you shouldn't always work from yeah. home. Um, so there's a lot of stuff we can dig into as well. So I bring it up because um, uh, 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 Ian is fantastic at adapting his ideas to the space we're designing in now. Um, so a lot of times they'll say, oh, I think I would love to do this. I love to do that. Um, it's not because we're not behind all those ideas 100% because most of those were like, yeah, sure, those are great. Let's get to them. Um, it's finding the right place in the schedule, start working on them, and then seeing mm-hmm. what place what place the line is in when we're making it because I feel like we're making Anima now and it very different way than Ian probably initially imagined creating animal when you first had the yes, idea. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, just like any creative process, sometimes ideas have to percolate. They have to, you get the initial spot and you're like, oh, I like it, but it needs to sit in the back of your brain for a while, or it needs to bounce in other people's brains for a while. And then it starts germinating and new mm-hmm. ideas come in. And then you, when you actually go down to like, okay, are you ready to actually do this? Sure. 
okay, now what we're we're actually like putting on the page is much more complicated and much more nuanced than it was back when we originally had the idea, uh, which I applaud. I, I understand that perfectly, uh, as it were. Yeah, a part of a part of me is really looking forward to the the uh, the games in the time mm-hmm. of COVID. Uh, that that we're gonna see in the next you know month year months mm-hmm. years whatever and certainly seems like anima is gonna be one of those mm-hmm. that you know is timely and affected yeah. by what's going on in our world um, so I'm I'm glad to see that you know Onyx Path and specifically Trinity Continuum is getting in on that space because it's something important to talk about. Oh, and, and something interesting about the whole, like, you have, like, a lot of contract workers and you have a lot of isolated workers where they work from home is, like, how do you fight the big monolithic company when almost, like, 90% of it is dispersed mm-hmm. across huge Absolutely. area? Like, the MIMMO is obviously there to help you facilitate yep. that. But, again, if you have to go do, quote-unquote, wet work or you have to go do physical work, what does that look like? Do you go to one person's house or do you have to like hit multiple people's houses in a night or any of that right. sort of thing? And that's, is- that's the interesting push and pull between these two things is that if if everyone could be anywhere uh, in, in the city or even anywhere in the world necessarily, but if there's this one common virtual space that everyone goes to on a regular basis, everyone generally is involved or plays in this huge game, um, it would be like, I can't find this person, you know, in the phone book, I can't figure out where they're at. They want to answer email once a phone, but I'll log into Animal Crossing. And go, oh, hey, there they are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the slight cyber stalking of figuring out where the hell they are. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that's another interesting notion is that you know as of as of you know second edition aberrant, you've got people on the moon at this point. Mm-hmm. You you have I believe you have some people on Mars as well, and that's that's something that could be contended with in terms of what if the resources that we need are on a Luna server. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, space hacking. Man. <laughs> space hacking. Start a new life in the off-world colonies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, guys, this anima sounds great. It sounds like it's a perfect fit for the entire continuity that you guys have in mind for Trinity Continuum. So I'm. we obviously are very much looking forward to it. Um, and we appreciate you guys coming on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to shout out about anima before we close this interview down? Uh, yeah, um, something I, I thought of uh, recently was, um, I think it was in uh, William Gibson's uh, Neuromancer, mm-hmm. uh, where it opens, like, the color of the sky was that of a... That channel, uh, like, tuned with that channel. Right. Um, yeah. So in my head, there's sort of two different cyberpunk subgenres. There's, for lack of a better term, dark cyberpunk and light cyberpunk. Um, mm-hmm. So when you hear uh, TV tunes to a dead channel, do you think of like gray static that you'd see in the 80s or do you think of the bright blue that you would see on modern TVs? Interesting. I, so if you question. play games like... Um, gray. Like, okay, there's stuff like Blade Runner where even during the day it's basically nighttime, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's stuff like Mirror's Edge where it's shocking bright blue. You've got white, you've got bright colors everywhere, which in a way is almost a literal whitewashing of the, the fascist government. Yeah, it's, it's, a, right? it's a bleaching. It's a bleaching of everything. Right. So in, in dark cyberpunk, stuff is crap. The world is crap, but you can make your life better. In light cyberpunk, it's more like, okay, the world is crap, but I can make the world better. Mm, interesting. So mm. that's more what we're going for with Anima. Yeah, and there's been a word recently coined, which uh, I love and immediately co opted this project called Hope Punk. Mm. Um, because a lot of people have been saying, and again, the most punk rock thing you do is be kind to somebody. <laughs> um, and so there's definitely a, a chunk of that there because, like, like uh, Ian said, like you know, the training continuum, especially this current modern arc incarnation, is about hope on some level. Um, and so this is a way that you can explore that. It's the, you know, can one kid who can learn how to power the rocket ship save the world kind of thing? You know, <laughs> that that last starfighter kind of hope mixed with a world that just wants to get through the next day it's it's not bleak because everyone's terrible it's bleak yeah. because everyone's exhausted yeah. it's it's not that impaired people are inherently crappy it's just they've gone through the ringer the world is rebuilding itself and you what can you do this day to get people to see the bigger world around them 
and and bring it together. Right. Oof, that's too real. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of shit we, that comes yeah. the kinds of games we make no, though. It, and that's the really no, I love it. I love it. Bring yeah. bring the realness. I love. <laughs> now I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people hit you guys up on the internet if they want to communicate more with you guys? Uh, we are at theonyxpath.com or the Onyx Path on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Yada yada, Twitch. Uh, I am personally at on um, Twitter at uh, Von Aether, V O N A E T H E R, and I can be found on Facebook at Ian A A Watson Creative. Cool, Eddie. Um, you can find me uh, at uh, pugsteady.com. You can also find me on Twitter at pugsteady, P U G S T E A D Y. All right. Very cool. Thank you both very much for enlightening us about Anima. We are super excited for it. We'll probably try to have you guys back on when it's like go, when the Kickstarter is ready to go for sure. and everything's a lot more solidified so we can get the get down into the nitty gritty. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Until then, you guys be good and be safe. We will. You sure. Thank you. I'm super excited for this and I want to know want everything about it. Yeah, I wanted to like really get like I just I, I had it. I just like man, I really want to ask, like, so how are, how are, like, skills and shit going to work when you win the webs? Yeah. Like, is there going to be, like, a separate set of skill tracks for what your avatar can do versus what you can do? I mean, they, they kind of answered that as, you know, you have this sort of stripped-down avatar character sheet. Fair enough. Yeah, but skills aren't, skills aren't broken down, like, into categories anymore. They're much well, more open. I'm, I'm pretty sure when we see, uh, we'll, 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 we'll probably see the aberrant, uh, wrestling supplement before we see anything out of, out of anima mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so we'll have a bet we'll have a better idea of what that's 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 true that he did kind of make the comparison there so that i think we'll see a very like so well you know that's good because that'll mean like things that are like buffs and stuff will be very very you know bounded it's like it is a plus one to attack mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah that's very simple ahead. very simple mechanics that will just derive off that so they don't have to add a lot of extra leg room yeah, it's, on the character it's, sheet. It's, that's actually really interesting, a, a, a way of implementing, hey, this is a mini dude that's attached to your normal dude. Mm-hmm. And you can do stuff with that mini dude uh, and it, it not necessarily carry over to your real dude. Yeah, and I'm super intrigued because we sort of get a quasi post-apocalyptic cyberpunk mm-hmm. situation. With Actually, actually, now that I think about it, you know, Ready Player One, uh, and a lot of it just like diving into it and just being like these agents trying to make the world potentially a better place around. Yeah, no, I'm, you know what? I'm down with some hope punk. Hope punk is good. You know, we could really sure. use it right now. We could really use it right now. But trying to figure out what punk punk would be. Uh, it's called the sex pistols, Matthew. <laughs> is, that's just music. You're thinking uh, you, about music. You did. Yeah. That's just, no, uh, I didn't say it in the interview, but I kind of wanted to say, that, Oh, there's also kind of a term for this. It's called digital punk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what they're kind of hitting on as far yeah, as uh, I mean, anime is genres, genres, man. It's yeah. genres. Who what needs them? Who, how do they work? Yeah. Uh, how do they work? Magnets. How can I turn it into a drug that I can then take uh, and then fight with my robot girlfriend? How can sure. I shoot it directly into my eye? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's some interesting. I love that they call it glass. I like that yeah, idea. And I like cool. the. I, I want to see what they grows do. when you think about it. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to shove a gla- piece of glass in your spine? Like, I guess I do. Yeah, I, I mean, and also like the idea of like being AIs and or having true AIs emergent. Well, there's a reason the setting. you are only ever allowed a satisfactory intelligence in AI. Indeed. Right? Yeah. Like, yes, it has satisfactory intelligence. Yeah, like I didn't, I actually didn't get this question, but something you can obviously do with this setting is go, there's a lot more troubling places on the planet with former aberrant tech mm-hmm. and other things and t- um, bigger tainted zones. So you can do more weird post-apocalyptic stuff in this setting. In the timeline, this is the area when specifically the Aeon Covenant went around gathering all that shit up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my Tucker's background in our Aeon game was that he was still in the FSA trying to clean up what happened out west mm-hmm. like that was one of his that's where he you know you that's know he got his start of, yeah got his start so. oh man i kind of almost want to i think i may enjoy that setting more than almost any of the others like just in the weird possibilities you can do 
with it because such a it's such a quote unquote lawless time. Yeah, in the setting, There's a lot, a lot of shit going on in that time, uh, and it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, then you can also do the trick that you can do with all the other Trinity <laughs> Continuum games. Is like, hey, do you want to have an AI in Aeon now? Yeah, take these rules. Here they are. You, you would you like to have your ship's AI go on adventures with you? Here you go. Shut up, Matthew. These. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Hey, you made that to me. You made it. <laughs> I know. Now you're going to shut up about it because my secrets. My secrets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that was personally, guys, that was a great interview. I had a lot of fun. I can't wait till the Kickstarter. Obviously, everyone, we will let you know when that hits. I'm going to get the book. I'm going to get, I'm absolutely going to get the book. Because it's actually that. of all the ones, like, I mean, I like them all, like in, mm-hmm. in terms of certain setting and stuff. But this one is the one that, of course, like I like this type of setting the most. I, well, I mean, how much it, of your t- how much of your life did you throw down the World of Warcraft hole? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. Twenty five hundred hours. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> you. One character. Thank, oh. Thankfully, Ryan got better. I did. I did get better. It is. Better. It will make you go insane. MMOs are bad. Don't do that. Doe, hit the transition button. Sorry for the interruption, everyone, but we forgot to announce something. We're doing a raffle for our patrons. In it, one lucky person will win $50 in credit to drive through RPG, and we will donate $50 to a charity of the winner's choice. As an added bonus, if by the time we pull for the raffle, we hit a certain number of patron members, we will donate even more money to the charity you have chosen. 40 total patrons will see the show donate $100, and 80 total patrons will see us donate $200. The rules are pretty simple. You need to be a valid patron by the time Patreon charges your account on July 1st. This is to make sure there is no funny business. After July 1st, we will contact the winner and announce the winning charity on the July 16th show. Your tier level will, however, affect how many times you are entered into the raffle. $1 and $3 tiers get only one entry. $5 get two. 10 get three, and those at the $50 level gain five entries. So get out there and let's see if we can raise some money for charity. We are glad that we got to do the interview, and we're really hoping you guys enjoyed it. Um, we will probably we will have those guys back. So, oh yeah, well they they turn out good shit. So yeah. why would we not want to? Yeah, talk well, about so from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where you fun is. Go roll some dice. Hello everyone. Just wanted to let you all know if you want to email us, you can at polyhedronpodcast at gmail And if you want to get in contact with us via Twitter, you can contact us at polyhedroncast. And if you want to contact me, I am at bioimportance. If you want to get in contact with me directly, I'm at divismallcav. And I'm a hermit, so just email the show, please. Also, in addition, if you really like the show and you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash polyhedron, give us a buck a month, you get a lot more content, and it'll really help us out. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.